bad, yeah, it's all good. Um, how was this, how was the chess game? Did you win? Oh, I oh, didn't win. So I've been playing chess and I've been playing 20 minute games because 10 minute games are they rush you. So it is by no means a demonstration of your chess ability. It's like trying to I, I like trying to say like play a football match but you've only got 30 seconds like it's not it's not a football match is it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you should it, like if you're playing casually, I think you you shouldn't have a time limit. You shouldn't put a time limit on well, things. I think 20 minutes is quite nice because it doesn't really come into play. And it it kind of says like okay, I'm not going to sit there and keep wait 10 minutes for the next move because there are some people who might play a game of week a game of chess over a week like yeah so um but oh god so I've been playing my brother recently cuz he's just started and I've beaten him four times in a row I think oh but he's getting well pissed off with that yeah he's pra- <laughs> he's he's practicing and uh, oh god we've been doing 20 minute games and I sent him he said he was playing today and uh he uh invited me and he invited me to a 10 minute one and I sent him a 20 minute invite and I thought oh he's not going to accept the 20 minute I know he's going to want to do 10 minutes so yeah. I was like all right fine I'll do it yeah Got my rum and coke as well, sat here. Um, oh, what? So. Oh, I'm going to have to do one of those again and go get a whiskey. Well. It's going to be a drunk episode. <laughs> I don't know. You're, you, you're never prepared. Like, you should have sensed the vibe. Dude, well, um, I, I didn't I even talk to Ivan. Oh, God. All right. Okay, right. Well, you can go and get a drink, but... Firstly, let me explain what happened with chess, just okay. to sum up, just to sum it up. So I played him for the fifth time today, and we got down to like, I think I had about one minute left, and he still had two minutes left, because I was playing time at the start, and then I was just thinking to myself, I can checkmate him, I know I can get there. Yeah. And a couple of moves here, there, or later. I had enough there, like his king was pinned and I just had all these pieces around him. And I was like, I had like seconds left and he had time. So he was, he was changing sort of like every 40 seconds he'd make a move. And then I had to, in a mini second, know what I was going to do and make that move to make sure the time didn't run out. And I was dancing around the board. Yeah. And oh my God, my heart was just going <laughs> for it because it was on the line, you know. I couldn't lose this chess game. And fuck me, the time ran out. And I swear, I, if I had if I'd had 30 seconds more, I could have done it. But the whole point is, is I looked at my analytics afterwards. I made 13 blunders in that chess game. Jeez. And it's like, that's a different game. And I'm not saying that it's not a game of chess. It's, it's a variation. But it's a volatile variation. And I don't think it reflects my chess ability. So it's 4-1, I guess. But like, we'll give him half a point for it. But he still thinks he's won, obviously. He texted me straight after my phone went, woohoo! <laughs> and uh, by that time, I just went and sat on the sofa with my head in her hands. Aww. And uh, Claudia came in and she saw me on the sofa, like curled in a bush. She was like, what's wrong? And I looked up at her and I was like, I lost. Oh. 
You'll get him next time, I'm sure. Yeah, we got to play again. We had a little time when we were playing. It's all inspired by... Uh, what's it called? The Queen's Gambit. And I play that as an opening. I'm so cliche. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh have you seen the um the opening that um Magnuson did? I can't remember who he played against, but um he was playing as white and he said um I sometimes I like to play um a a what is it, A3 or A4 pawn? So the rook on the queen side, so mm. the left-hand side. And he said it's the most useless move. It doesn't do anything for you. Like it's basically just giving the the play to black, giving the advantage to black because it's such a, like a useless move. Mm. Um, I'll try and send you the link later, but it's quite interesting. But it throws them off or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I can imagine. Um, let me go and get this whiskey. All right, because I need to get my... What have I got? I might even have something nice, a little treat. Ah, oh, a little treat as well. Have you got chocolate? Uh, I might have a Maltesers chocolate oh, bunny. Oh, no! I've got a Maltesers chocolate nothing. bunny. I've, do you know what? I, when I was shopping, um, there were... Five for two pound fifth no, five for two pound forty or fifty P each. And I purposefully bought four just to throw their data off. Because <laughs> it's like what? it's like What do you mean throw their data off? Well, all of them that they're perfectly trying to price it so that you think to yourself, Oh, I'll just buy five. But I was only saving ten P by doing so. And I thought to myself, I'm not I'm not I'm not complying. That's not enough. <laughs> Wait, so what's the deal again? What was the deal? The deal was five chocolate bunnies for for £2.40. Five chocolate bunnies for two... Like, £2. Big, like, what do you mean, chocolate bunnies? Well, you know the Maltese chocolate bunnies? Oh, the small little things. Yeah. Not, yeah. And I think they've dropped in size, but we can talk about that we'll later. We'll talk about that later. There's quite a few things I want to talk yeah. about. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a topic of the week. Um so yeah, I've got four of them, and I got them for what two pounds. So the last one I would have saved ten p on. What's that? Not even half a bunny here. <laughs> Go and get your drink. I need to get my thing as well. Be right back. Um. So this is. I've got um whiskey on the rocks, three ice cubes. Um. The only reason why I put three in is because. I poured a bit too much whiskey out. Um, so by the end of this, it, you know, I might be a bit, um, bit half cooked. Um, so it's just whiskey on its own. Oh yeah, just whiskey on its own. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to appreciate it. Um, I wish I could get to that point with rum. Is that a bit? Would rum be really weird on its own? Rum is a bit. Yeah, it's a bit weird on its own. I mean, you can spiced rum. Whiskey is... Um, I like whiskey as well, actually, to be fair. Yeah, whiskey's nice. Austin got me into whiskey. But anyway, I think um, I think we're doing a good thing here by drinking. 
uh, with the coronavirus because it's almost sanitizing your throat, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, I've been doing it purposefully because of that. So, so all the alcoholics in the world, cheers. You know, what's a funny thing is when I'm uh, looking at houses on Rightmove, I see quite a lot of them have bars. Oh, yeah, everyone loves a nice little bar, don't they? Yeah, that's like, what does that say? I'll come through to my bar. <laughs> yeah, come through to my bar, let's do business. Train wreck. Unless, obviously, it's like a mansion, then maybe you have a bar. Then maybe. You have a, you have a whole separate room, like a gentleman's room. With like, you yeah. know, those gentleman chairs and uh, smoke inside with cigars and stuff. But then who are we to say you can't have a bar? Who are we? Tim and Woody. Well, Woody and Tim. Cue the music. Welcome to the Just Swimcast, the show entirely devoted to something, something. Um, what was it? Um, furthering our species through talk and discussion. There we go. My name's Woody. And I'm Tim. Um, also, we should also do this bit where we say, um, if you've been here f for this video, you've clicked on it, it'd be nice if you could like, comment and subscribe. <laughs> um, hit them early. Hit them early. Um, we got a new, um, subscriber. We're at 11 now. And I think I know who that is. No, 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 no. Don't ruin it because if we know who it is, then it means it's someone within our circle. No, not and necessarily. We need, to, we need. We've been discussing. We need to set. We need to take wind and and find something. Uh, some cherubs on the other land. But continue. Well, this. Yeah. Okay. Well, I talked to you offline about who it is. Well, um, anyway, new subscriber. Thank you. Anyway, new subscriber. Uh, we've got a lot of views, had a lot of views on uh, all the other platforms. Uh, I can see that people have appreciated Apple Music, which is good to see. Um, I do have some topics. Um, do you have any topics to start with? Because my ones, they may go in pretty deep, like straight from the off start, and I'm not sure I really want to do that. So, Well, let's make it... Um... Let's start off with the current and talk about today with Boris Johnson. So we haven't covered politics too much. Um, it's quite a political time in the, the UK. The Blonde Mop Mayor or the Blonde Mop PM. Yeah, now. which would be perfectly placed to pay right now if if Holly was all right with it. Um, I'll do a little snippet. Yeah, but... Oh, I almost I just googled his name earlier and it went on his Wikipedia and it just shocked me that we're even in this place because I remember as a kid growing up when he was the mayor with my granddad I think we went to go and see some sort of royal parade and for some reason he was walking along or involved at the time with it because he was the mayor of London I think but yeah. this was, I was quite nah he can't have been the mayor of London because that was recent no it wasn't recent that was it uh... was when I was younger 24 when was it 2012 to 2016 maybe somewhere around there yeah sort of mid tens but even then imagining that this guy is going to be prime minister 
um is quite interesting but my my granddad i think he actually said to me at the time um he'll be pm one day no he said watch out the people love him but it's all fake (laughs) yeah he knew didn't he uh interesting uh but here we are today and he has done his apology over the shocking death toll of a hundred thousand uk coronavirus deaths well yeah, Here, and here's the other interesting news, which I discovered the other day. I think I sent you a link to it. Um, apparently, some general practices, NHS general practices, GPs, have been throwing away vaccines at the end of the day because they weren't able to get the people in to take them. Yeah, but I have also heard in contrast to that that they do have... Um, at the end of the day, apparently, at some places you can queue up, and if there are leftover ones, they will let you in. Well, yeah, so that that's so, that's what the news was. So yeah, but I do. You, do you see what I said? I think it's I think it's to do with the fact maybe they can't administer it after X amount of like expiry date. I'm not sure. And it is that that, but the the thing is, but that's the thing is the Pfizer vaccine is like that, isn't it? That's the weakness of it is the fact that the transportation and delivery of it is difficult, like uh, administration of it. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the problem Storage. is, is this is from the news that I've read, and I can't verify any of it. Um, so people go and do your own verification. But my understanding is, is the guidance that GPs were given, given from above, i.e., from government, was essentially to do that. Otherwise, it, like throw them away. Otherwise, we will cut off your supply chain, like cut off your supply of vaccines. So some GPs have been scared to not throw them away because they think, well, we're not going to get any more vaccines. Like It's just like the corruption in this country is unbelievable. I think that I've always been like, you know, I'm a little bit conspiracy, yeah. But Mm. I do actually think that like the UK, well, England and London in particular is like this just... You know, you get those countries that are like special for licenses and all these weird things. Yeah, like we're Gibraltar one of those and other things. We're like that, but like criminal, not for licenses. It's just like I don't even know. Yes, People, I think we just get flushed like a wet flannel. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, I've got a bit of a public service announcement to make about. Um, sardines it's a bit of a weird one but me and my dad were in the kitchen today every day we have um sardines on toast dad makes his own sourdough you which have is, sardines on toast every day yeah around 12 o'clock half past 12 or oh, sardine time sardine yes that's what we call it sardine time oh are they like oily in the tin when you get them out no, we get the ones in tomato sauce. It's really nice. You are you're not going to like it because you like you know fish Let me food. Google this shit. Sardines in tomato sauce. But anyway, here's the public service announcement. Um, it says on the front of the sardine tin. Um, something like a good source of omega three, which is like supposed to be good. Good for you, like good oily fats. 
that are good for your gut and good for your health and things like that. But Dad went up to Tesco, the, the little Tesco, and he couldn't find any sardines in tomato sauce. Obviously, a lot of people are eating sardines in tomato sauce. So he got mackerel instead, mackerel in tomato sauce, tinned mackerel. So today we compared them because we had a tin of sardines here. And it turns out that mackerel, the tinned mackerel, has more omega-3, like basically double the amount of omega-3 in it than the sardines. However, the mackerel tin doesn't have the little sticker saying a good source of omega-3. So something fishy is going on here with people, like they're trying to sell sardines more than mackerel. I don't know what it is yet, but probably next time we come, next time we do a podcast, I'll figure out the reason. I'll try and find some dirty um, black market stuff that's going on and try and reveal the full truth. But there we go. If you're looking for a high source of omega-3, get the tin mackerel. I hear that tin salmon is even higher in omega-3. So we may migrate to that um, fish later and it will be salmon time rather than uh, sardine time. So talking of fish, fish is an undiscovered world for me, food-wise. Mm. Um, I have an allergy to salmon. Um, I have an allergy to a few other things as well, but fish-wise, it's salmon. Um, I had a reaction when I was 10, maybe, mm -hmm. and it wasn't as severe as my others, some of my others, but it was still enough to make me not want to eat fish or yeah. salmon in particular. Other fish just sort of makes me feel like grimbly afterwards, like not having a good time. Mm. But, for example, when we went to Indonesia, we were on the beach and there's this like humongous outlay of fish food, like straight from the sea. Yeah. And uh, it just, I feel like I'm just missing out on so much. You are. You honestly yeah, are. I know, but the thing is, is that I have to, I have to like, I think when I'm like 30, when I've got time and I can like travel a bit and stuff like that. I don't think I, that happens. I, I think that's a fallacy, Tim. Well, right, when I'm 40 then. I think 50, that's a fallacy. I don't think When that, I'm 50. I think it's now. The time is now. What, to start eating fish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do like cod, but that's just fish and chips. That's just simple. Still so makes it, me feel horrible after, but oh, like it does. Him. Yeah, whitefish is fine. Genuinely, maybe it's the omega threes. Then maybe it's um, because maybe it's that. Yeah. Um, that's weird though, because whatever omega three is, like apparently it's good for you. I'm not getting I'm much. Of I that. don't know. I, I'm just saying. It yeah, could... but I'm not getting much of that. Like, I'm yeah, just you're not getting any of it. Doesn't run with <laughs> omega three. We have quite a lot of fish in um, yeah. in our house. Obviously, Maybe we have I sardines every day. Little supplement things. Hmm. Oh, I wouldn't dig too deep into it. Oh. Um, should probably go to like a doctor. Well, not at the moment because you don't want to catch Rona. But um... so the thing about Rona, okay, is it kind of has changed like just everything. Like even yeah. down to the smallest things, like the way that you look at a door handle or the way you like navigate around public spaces, the way you walk down the street, the way everyone is. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, that my level of how much I do that, like, so for example, for ages and ages, I remember looking back at the start of coronavirus when it wasn't that bad, but there was so much fear tactic out there, like everyone talking about, I was like wearing my mask and like gloves going around the flat that I live in, like not, not the flat that I live in. I mean the communal building. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But now that I understand that they're a bit more like open airway, the hallways and stuff like that, I now just walk around without a mask. And then when I get downstairs or when I get to Sainsbury's, I then put the mask on. Do you know what I mean? So I guess the interesting thing is, is that now time has gone by. Coronavirus is worse, but my level of care for it is just like falling away. Yeah, And isn't that kind of lockdown in a way, in the sense that lockdown has these opposite reactions to you? Like, eventually it just, you can't keep going with it. Well, yeah, I mean, that was, um, that's kind of it. I think, I think I mentioned that in the previous podcast, like eventually people are just going to not care. Like they just, it doesn't matter about what what restrictions the government says. Like people just, just, they're just not going to care. And just going to go and do stuff. Yeah. And it's not like the police could even do anything about it because there aren't any police. Like over the past eight years, the conservatives have just reduced police numbers. So it's not as, as if there's like, like I don't, I, I haven't seen a police officer. We put up with a lot, don't we? Like in terms of like, think of what, not this government in general, think of the previous like governments we've had mm. as like, the general public, we have put up with a lot. That's a nice interruption. Oh, no. Still gloating about chess. <laughs> um, Turned off. Um, we, have, we have put up with a lot of, a lot of stuff from the government. Um, it, basically, that they don't do anything. Or they, 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 they do what I wish software developers would do. They remove things, the government. And they don't add any value, but they remove value. Do you know what was happening in uh, the ETH development chat today? No, I don't. I'll tell you. So they were discussing this thing that Vitalik, the owner of Ethereum and the main like guy behind it all, um, he wanted to add something on top of a problem that was basically in the platform yeah that was oh to... band-aids on band-aids he wanted to deploy a new thing okay in ignorance of the fact that there was a problem behind it yeah okay that's t- typical a, software developer that is a lot of the developers were like you can't well, do that why don't we just tackle this problem here now and uh yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I wanted your view on that. Like, what do you think? I haven't seen it, um, so I don't know the context. So I'd be able to give a much better... No, I mean, in general, what is your... Like, so when you have a problem, do you think it's normally good to... I know it varies, but, like, I guess you can't answer it, maybe. So, um, I can answer it. It's... The, the benefit that Ethereum Foundation has is that they are a foundation, which means they're not accountable or responsible for any profit or loss uh, situations. Um, 
So they don't have somebody beating down on them saying, where's my new features? Where's my new features? Because uh, I need to make money. Obviously, the community's like that, but they, again, they're a foundation. Like, nobody cares. Like, if they don't do anything, they don't do anything. Um, in the corporate or in the, like, private company world and public as well, public sectors, um, there are problems in things that they're just too expensive to solve and it's best to just put a plaster over them um it's annoying everybody that everybody hates the, the idea of putting a plaster on it but ultimately you need to make money and fixing the problem isn't going to make you more money it's just going to cost more money do you know what I mean? Have I answered that question correctly? I don't know. I think so. It's progress for like the sake of progress over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, another thing was that um, I noticed that because they're a decentralized team and they're quite a big team, it looked like it was quite difficult to I, I don't i'm not surprised that maybe they struggle at times because there's a guy leading it which he seemed like he was doing a great job but another guy sort of raised this problem of um it was almost the levels to, to which the standard of the code was written in appreciation of previous principles that the code had been built on uh -huh. and that contracts work on and it was to do with i think the execution of a contract and where if a contract goes wrong, it self-terminates, okay? Uh -huh. And they were, he was saying how, like, we need to actually go through this and properly set out ways of how we're going to do this and stick to them moving forward. Because if we don't have a certain level or a law written for that, then everything we do is kind of pointless because we're not getting the right sort of thing at the end. Mm. And um, then one guy was like, yeah, I think that's not a set. That's like a, not a conversation for now. We need to just put that aside and have that at a separate point. And then they all sort of put their hands up who was going to talk about that as a separate point, but didn't actually ever really resolve it. And the guy was just sort of shut down. And it was like, I don't know. Yeah, see, this is um, this is the problem with, with the big corporate structure in a way. Like, it's, I feel no, like it's, this isn't this isn't um, a lot of people in one room. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, it's that. It's the because it's a foundation. There's a lack of governance, a lack of strong governance. Um, there's a lot of ideas on the, on the table, and nobody can nobody's there to make a decision. Um, a lot of open source things are like this a lot of open source projects are have this problem um or in some cases are the other way and they're completely uh, owned by somebody that doesn't want to do anything like somebody questions something and they go well i built it so i'm gonna do it like this um it is a big problem and they won't they won't be able to do anything about it um I think I don't know if if Ethereum is open source, is it? Like, can anyone submit a pull request? I don't know. Maybe they can. The thing is, is that you can, but then whoever runs the project is just going to go, "No, I don't like that." 
even if it is good for there's no there's a lack of governance basically ideally what happens is when the um what they need is a pro product manager basically like a community product manager i think but, they kind of have that yeah they need to be able to understand the project and what people want but at the same time you need so, somebody that knows infrastructure well because it, this is like essentially what they're building they need tim berners lee i think to, so for people that don't know tim berners lee is the guy that basically built the internet like he built the protocols that we now run our lives on um you think about like how like, the internet hasn't changed since it was invented back in whenever it was the late 60s or early 70s the infrastructure hasn't changed it's just scaled and it's look how well it's scaled so they, they need somebody that, like tim berners that has tim berners lee's mind to own decisions about ethereum and those people don't exist anymore like those types of people they don't exist vitalik is not that person he's a good programmer but that's it. He's not a critical thinker like Tim Berners-Lee is, not that that level. So it's interesting you bring up the governance side of things because the recent thing in cryptocurrency is to have a governance token whereby you issued this token and you can use it um, or the amount of tokens that you have gives you governance in the platform, the protocol. Uh, Uniswap is an example of this and they hold votes community votes where you make a decision you sign on the blockchain your opinion on it mm -hmm. and then they vote and then once consensus is achieved the devs do that or yeah. whatever needs to be done is achieved mm -hmm. so the weird thing about this is is a lot of the time you see community members in cryptocurrency always suggesting ideas to the project and i obviously work in a position where I'm on the other side of those suggestions. And I think that from the outside, it always looks so simple as to what a currency or a cryptocurrency, a token, uh, a project, a product, whatever it is. Yep. It always seems so simple to point out what they should do. Yep. And I do it myself. I look at coin market cap, um, looking at all the different cryptocurrencies like, some for when I used to do like buying them and selling them and stuff, but some of them I just look at the projects just to see what the technology is and to get an idea on it. And uh, even I find myself like, oh, they could do this or because like is that one thing I've realized in product is like it takes you a while to realize the easiest thing to do is to think about product ideas and to think about what you could do. Um, and I think it's weird when you're a community member because you almost, you feel like so frustrated. Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing this? And the reality is it's like some of the things we are doing, some of the things they might be doing, some of the things they might have looked at, but they know won't work. And quite frankly, when you're running a company, there's also that as well. Like running a company is its own thing as well. It's not just the ideas of what yeah. the user might want all of the time, even though it should be. It doesn't always work out like that. Yeah. Um, so especially with politics inside of workplace and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, what you've defined there, what you've like highlighted there, is basically what a product owner should be. 
they should be the voice of the users. Um, going to, so that's something that um, that Austin's good at, which is understanding with by using data and talking to people, like talking to actual users, like what do they want, and then going to stakeholders and saying our users don't want a button that links out to Pinterest with a board of what the marketing team have done about, oh, this is a new, this is a crypto yeah. board. What they want is so, they want to be able to pay for their fucking whatever. Um, so, so let's do that. So the thing is, though, is I, I appreciate probably is good at it. And I know there are people who are better and worse at it. But there's also the problem of, like, how do you go about that outreach? How many consumer or community members or trial testers can you get that aren't incentivized to complete a test and to give you information or it depends on the yeah you're it's a, it's you a see, tough question like, uh, if i ask in my job if i ask community members what do they think of something like some of them might suggest let's do this to inflate the token price to make the share value go up essentially mm. um same as if you asked a share investor in a company what should we do uh make more money yeah um, yeah 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 so so it's almost it's almost it's weird so it's a weird position to be in like, i know you need feedback but feedback is is hard to find it is but you have to so you're right P people don't know people will give the answer that they obviously they they want um but it's the job of the product owner, product manager to build hypotheses first before asking for feedback. So they would be involved with, you know, the community, what people are saying, and then building up hypothesis with data that they've already got and talking to people in the you know the telegram channel or whatever discord channel yeah um then once they've got a consensus so this is so this isn't actually in a big corporate world someone like emirates emirates airlines they would have people called uh, ux researchers user experience researchers they they know how to get valuable information about what users want from the people that use their their service product whatever um it's a it's a skill that not many people in the world have and they earn quite a bit of money so if anyone wants to you know help companies build products especially now then become a ux researcher i think um that's what they do and then they feed that to the product manager they often come with ideas as well about like they've built up a hypothesis they've got the research from the customers um, they go to the PM and say, look, this is what's going on in our community and our users, our customers. Um, like, is this a legit thing? Like, is there anything that we can do about this? Is, does the data show this as well? And the PM will take that, go away, find the data for it. If they believe that it's true, they would ask the UX researcher to, you know, come up with some ideas if they haven't already to go to a stakeholder and say, look, we have spoken to our customers. We have the data that shows that they are correct. We should be doing this. We shouldn't be doing what you want to do because nobody wants what you want to do. 
Um, but it's very difficult to be in a business that's like that. No, there are very few businesses that have that ideal product driven um, world. And it's the same with Ethereum. They don't know what people want. They don't know how bad their software is. They don't know that a virtual machine is the worst thing to have. They don't know that using Golang, whatever, they don't, they don't know these things. All they know is that they've built this Java-like system that is terrible and they, they've, whatever. I'm just saying that because I, actually, I don't actually know, but um, and I can't really remember where I was going with that. But that's my answer to getting feedback from people and what it should actually do in the business. And it is very difficult. I have not been able to do it successfully. What is your favorite thing about working in product? Um, and then also maybe your least favorite. It's an interesting question because I don't, it's, it's the only, like, I don't necessarily, I, I enjoy problem solving. That's what I enjoy. I enjoy problem solving and I enjoy, um, and this goes back to what we were talking about in the first podcast, I think, which is I like building things. You know, and like you release a, a feature or release a new product, um, like an app or something or a website, and it feels good. Like you can look at it and you go, wow, people are actually like using it and I'm I'm getting feedback on it. And there's people, like I've got a thousand downloads on the app store. Um, it's the sense of, it's the problem solving and the feeling of accomplishment that you've actually changed something in the world. Like... I know like finance people do and operations people do, but I feel like it's something that's a bit less visible. Like it's only visible internally, whereas what we do in product is visible externally. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And the thing that I dislike about it most is and I which is something that you're more exposed to in product just because it's product um, is the politics. Um, Everybody wants to be a product owner. Everyone, everyone thinks they're a product owner. Everyone thinks they can do what we do. Um, and they just can't, you know, it's, it's very easy. Like, and, but the, the thing that I hate most about it is I can say that I can do their job too. Uh, you know, I I could sit there on a spreadsheet and do finance all day if I wanted, but I don't tell them how to do it. I could do marketing, you know, digital marketing. I could edit videos, edit audio, be a, um, a, a what are they called? I mean, marketing isn't really a thing anymore. All they are are project managers that get that outsource all of the marketing work to agencies. They're just middlemen. I could do that, but I don't tell them how to do it. And that's what happens in product meetings is everybody tells you what you should be doing. And it's very difficult to say no. We should know, like, you don't come prepared with all the answers. But I never go into a meeting that's not about me 
and say, well, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, you know, to a marketing person. I don't think people in product are like that. Yeah. That's what I hate about it. I hate politics. Yeah, I think they're uh, very astute observations. I think everyone feels the same thing probably in product. Some people love the politics. Some people love it. Um, but most people that I've met in product, they hate it. They hate the politics side. What what they love is problem solving and accomplished, like seeing something go up, you know. Being in product is amazing because you get so much access to it. You get basically access to the entire business. Like people in operations don't know how much money the company's making, but people in product do because they have access to the database and they can just do a quick query on all the sales done in the last year and work out how much, like you have so much power as a product owner to just go in and look at stuff. Yet nobody listens to you. Even if you tell them, look, we had this last year, we should be doing this. Yeah, I know, but yeah, where, did, where did you get that data from? And like, <laughs> whatever, yeah. So, uh, there's a problem in the world. You need to, don't, don't, don't shout in your mic. Sorry, sorry. I was trying to do the opposite. I was trying to lower my voice, not even to speak as loud. Is it too loud now? It's fine. So there's a problem in the world. Mm -hmm. Things are getting smaller. Things are getting smaller, man. So I'll, t I'll give you a story, right? I, when I did my shopping, whenever I did my shopping last, I needed to buy toilet paper. And I went to the toilet to do a number two. And I reached over for the toilet paper. I ripped off the required amount of sheets and I folded it in my hand and I thought either my hands got bigger <laughs> or this paper's got thinner in every single dimension. <laughs> it's got narrower, shorter and thinner sheets and I've paid the same amount of money for it. I've never... So this is it, right? So you've got inflation, which is where your money buys less. And then you've got desization, yeah, which is desization. the desization of food, of cream eggs, and mm. of everything that matters. Mm. And I will not stand for it any longer. <laughs> it's gone on long enough. I like. Are my grandkids going to eat a green keg, this, like a cream egg the same size as a mini egg? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and, that, that, uh, and they do exist, actually. And and it gets more expensive. A cream yeah. egg's almost a pound now. It's ridiculous. I tell you what, um go about cream eggs, the they sell the boxes of cream eggs. Um they used to be six in a pack. Now there's like probably five and now there's bouncing, five. They're all bouncing whoa, around whoa, whoa, cracked and they're all sorry, they're all bouncing around, cracked and smashed off each other. I'm gonna adjust my game. Yeah. Um They yeah, they're it's it's a nightmare. I don't know. Just bump it up a tiny bit. So what are we going to do about it? I don't think there's nothing you can do about it. It's just toilet paper's getting well, smaller. Eventually, no, you just, all you're going to get is you're going to get like a roll that's about the width of your two fingers, just enough to like you know. So should just, there not be a like consumer protection against that? 
like a guy who sits How there. How do you do that? Paid, nah, <laughs> this is it. I'm the cream egg guy. And every year it gets to a day and I know, just like when you get called into the courts to be your, uh, on the jury or something like that, yeah. you know that today is the day where you're going to compare the size of a cream egg from last year, which you've been asked to look after. You look at it, you're like, yep, that's the same size. And then you see the price and you're like, and then you give it a score. But you can't do that. That's the whole idea of capitalism, right? You can't just, um, you can't have laws that prevent, the companies would just go out of business. Because the reason why they've done, like, especially chocolate and cream eggs. Like, um, here's another example, which is the, um, I think they're 110 grams now. Or maybe 109 gram bar of Cadbury's chocolate. Just like the one you had the other day where it was the fruit and nut one, but just the plain one. They're about a pound usually or one pound fifty. Uh, I never get them at one pound fifty. But they used to be like 120 grams, I'm pretty sure, or like 150 grams or something like that. Yeah. The, but, the Cadbury's one was always 150. I remember that. 150, yeah. And, and now was, they've dropped and they've dropped. They're like four rows thick or something, aren't they? No, they're still the same rows and, and columns. So the same number. They're just... So thinner, yes, yeah, okay. thinner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, right. But the reason yeah, why they did that okay. is because the government introduced the sugar tax, and Cadbury's didn't want to increase their price, yeah. so instead they reduced the chocolate. So I think it's, yeah, I, I don't think it's the, I don't think you can put any legislation in to prevent companies from doing it because they also need to survive. What but you the need other is side a... to it yeah. is the the dilution. So I said to you the other day, what if every year with from concentrate juices, they just take the ratio up just a tiny percent and then like bit by bit, you always think you're having the same apple juice, but slowly they're taking that apple juice away from you. The concentrate, reducing the amount of concentrate. To the point where in the future, like everything, like you buy paint and it's just grey, different shades of grey. Yeah. You have food and it's just different shades of just nothingness, just sponge. <laughs> because you've just like choice has just been taken from you. The choice of flavour. Yeah. Um. So this is, uh, but so I've never actually looked into too much. Like I've always said I hate capitalism and everything like that. I was looking on YouTube at all these different things like communism, Marxism, capitalism, and like their definitions and things like that the other day. And like, it's so weird that we have these, like, just these are the three, these are the ways of doing things. This is what everyone says. Like, I don't know. There are some places in the world that, um, that don't, that have different things. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember. I'll have to bring it next episode with me. I need to prepare for that that one. Um, but I've got a topic that's been put in by one of our viewers. Oh, for real? I was yeah. going to start asking for those. Um, it's quite a deep one, but I think we're there. I think we're in, in that part of the conversation now. Um, they they haven't quite worded it as a question as such but i think it might be something that you've probably thought about and i've definitely thought about um so i'll just 
read out what what they said and we'll take it from there. So they said they would like us to discuss how minor or major events, conversation, acts of positive reinforcement, whatever, can be incredibly influential to a child. Like a tiny moment in their childhood might shift the entire direction or pathway that that person goes down for the rest of their life. Um, And how a lot of things we do slash how we act are taken from people that played a big part in our life. Does that make sense? Yep. That makes sense. Uh, Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So I think we kind of touched upon this a little bit once. Um, But definitely I think that you you take things from people that are around you when you're growing up. I think you lean on that massively and it shapes who you are. I think it's a bit... um, See, I think we... So here's something that I saw on the interwebs the other day. Um, I think it was like some cheesy little Facebook post or whatever. Um, It wasn't cheesy. It was quite serious, actually. But it was saying something like, if you don't listen to your child when they're young, uh, you know, maybe your child comes over to you and says, Daddy, Daddy, look at this. Like, And they're just talking at you. They're not actually saying anything, but they're just talking at you. Um, and maybe you're not listening because you know what they're saying is just like a load of bollocks. Hmm. But it was saying that if you don't listen to them at that age, then how can you expect them to tell you anything later on in life? Hmm. I think that's quite powerful that like, because well, uh, ch- children's brains are like sponges, aren't they? You know, yeah. they're, they're a heightened level of, they have to absorb so much to fit but in I the world. I question the statement. Do they need to tell you anything when they're older? Right. Uh, I, I, I kind of get it. I, I get the, I, I think there are definitely pivotal interactions that you have with a child when they're young. And I think that every conversation matters. Every behavior matters. Yeah. I think you have to try your best at all times. And I think that being a parent, I say even myself, I think that's like one of the hardest things, especially about lockdown. One of the hardest things is like, like, because a lot of the time through the day, like the best thing about lockdown is that I can walk past the sofa, like say if I'm going into the bedroom after sitting on my laptop for a bit, and Miyako's sat there on the sofa, like, playing whatever, and I just, like, dive on her and give her a cuddle, and it's Mm. great. Like, it's so good. But then there's also the other time where, like, um, you know, colleagues messaging me at work about, like, what the password is for our social media accounts or something. Yeah. And I'm trying to, like, get the password up, log into my security safe password thing, get all that stuff. And then Miyako comes over and she's like... "Um, oh, I just wanted to show you this. I wanted to show you this. And you're like, oh, but hang on, just one minute, just one minute. Whereas in reality, like when I always look back on it, I don't need to reply to that person at work right now. I can give her that one minute and go and look at whatever she's made. Of course, the reality is is that it's not one minute. When she shows me the boat that she's made in her bedroom, she'll want me to play in it and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And it's like drawing that line of like, okay, um, 
like even when you're playing with her you're dragged away thinking okay i can play with her now but in five ten minutes i'm gonna have to sort of like focus attention on something she can do a bit more on her own yeah um and it's it's kind of horrible but it's kind of like i was thinking when you first started saying this about like a lioness with a cub like picking it up in its mouth and just taking it away and just being like dude we've got to go and do stuff yeah and it's kind of like at that point it's like we kind of had to just get through this and do stuff and the biggest worry for me is that yes these interactions are important and i know miyako like my daughter in particular is very confident and very on the wild side on the wild card side i'd say um she's not like a lot of her friends that we've seen in the past of her same age are a bit more reserved Mm -hmm. and i always think with being on the wild side of things like it's a volatility in personality and obviously when you always want your kid like you you feel like you're rolling the dice and you i guess the sad part of it is that you want it to be a good reflection of yourself but then the loving part is actually that you want the best for the kid as well so you want that kid to be a certain way and it's difficult because you worry about it all the time. You worry of lockdown and all this is like, think about going back to coronavirus. Yeah. It's like, sometimes we'll say about going for a walk or going to the park or doing something or something. Yeah. And Miyako will say, well, is it safe because of coronavirus? And that's kind of a problem of when if the lockdown first started, if Miyako wanted to go and do something or asked us, we'd have to, we said to her, no, we can't safe. Yeah. Because, um and like claudia would try and explain or i would try and explain like and say because of there's this thing called the coronavirus but then in reality it's like i see her now like when we go out of the door together there's another door we have to go out and she waits by the front door she doesn't touch the door she knows she can't touch the door she waits for me to open the door she goes through there's another door she knows that i have to open the door for her she waits there yeah like she's coronavirus trained and she's four yeah that's kind of sad isn't it yeah it is kind of sad yeah and at nursery like they were sanitizing all of their hands and she's got eczema on her hands and like um that people like at nursery they just don't anyway yeah it's very difficult um so i've got a question that kind of leads on to this that might help um the 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 main like the main point of this was there any was there a per, a person or a figure or a character in a in a book or a film that when you was younger maybe from the years 8 to 16 that you thought like that you kind of idolized not idolized but you thought i want to kind of be like that person I did. But I'm wondering if you do. If you did. Um, I think I had my stepdad and then I had like certain friends. I think like my stepdad, I'd kind of slowly pick up things that I wanted to be like over time. And then certain friends, I would think like I wanted to be like them or be a certain way. Mm. Um, which I don't think I was like I don't think I was like super superficial and fake him in that way I think I was more like not wanting to be them but wanting the freedom that they had 
um just the their lives were quite different to mine a lot mm. of them especially how their parents were and like the fact they could just go out and do whatever they wanted and like not have this expectation like i've, I've always had quite an expectation i think in a way in our family to just do stuff do you know what i mean yeah which is good but then yeah so for me when i was probably 13 through to 15 maybe a bit younger i used to watch i don't know if you've ever seen it um house have you seen house i don't believe so i'm gonna just md um house md i think it's called or md house House tv show yeah house so it's it's basically like a sherlock holmes but a doctor and i recognize the dude yeah hugh laurie yeah and he's a bit of a bit of a narcissist um he does whatever he wants he's um he doesn't really like people he knows he sees everybody's flaws and he's quite intelligent like he is intelligent like very intelligent um i remember for maybe a year or two just watching that character on screen like maybe every day i'd just watch all of the house episodes <clears throat> and once i finished the last season i'd what rewatch it all again dude if you're talking about tv people then 100% gone in uh oh god been through the motions of all of them um I guess. Which is the one that sticks out like most? I think. I think this is really bad, but probably Lucas from One Tree Hill. Really? Yeah. No, I haven't seen One Tree Hill, so I have no context of who Lucas is. But the fact that it's One Tree Hill. Dude, I I I, I still can't handle the fact that I can't manage to seem to get anyone in my life to watch One Tree Hill. I've managed to get Claudia <laughs> to watch it, but um, I think. Wait, One Tree Hill was that what you you um yes you sent yes Lucas is who the the guy in uh the un- underdog who's yeah 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 okay yeah I could um, I could see that I can see that I think I kind of like uh, I self fulfilled that prophecy in some weird ways as well. Well, that's what I was going to say. Uh, that's what yeah, I was going to say about it's interesting. Like, you grow into this idea of who you are, who you, you should be. You are at the end of the day. You're only the person you are is who you tell yourself. Yeah, exactly. You are when you wake up in the morning, and then I guess five percent of it is who what other people tell themselves about you. Yeah, but they don't think about you very often, whereas you think about you all the time. Exactly. So your opinion really matters. Yeah, and I I grew up watching. One Tree Hill, um, and it was like my, I just remember being a kid, sat at this really small TV in, in my mum's room in the top right-hand corner, and everyone would be downstairs using one of the TVs, so I could watch in the evening up there on my own, just One Tree Hill, and I'd buy the DVDs online, and they'd arrive, whack them in, and there'd be this exercise bike I could sit on, and I'd just sit on this exercise bike pedaling, just watching... Um, this amazing storyline of just like this world where people are so kind to each other and so 
emotion means something mm. art means something like the words you say in conversation mean something they're not just filler conversation of you trying to forsake awkwardness and there's too much of that going around there's so much you know you walk past someone that you recognize and you go like, like hello raise your eyebrows like it, what even is that as an interaction it's almost like a salute to a soldier you're yeah. acknowledging the fact that you know someone but you'd be too scared to even look a family member in the eye and tell them that you love them like, i know and that is the problem with us at the moment is we have this barrier of just yeah but growing up watching one tree hill watching that definitely always thinking like uh i just want i don't know i want there to be a romantic side to life i want it to be real so not necessarily wanting to be him but wanting to live in his world i think that was a big thing okay okay and then trying to style life around that and just realize that taking opportunities and fighting for your own piece of the land is kind of mandatory to make something good out of life and have a positive view on life so if i don't know if you i don't think i've ever spoke to you about this but kind of leads on from this which is my next question my next topic um when you were younger just relatively younger it can be any point in your life did you have like a strong idea of what you wanted to be? Like, did you have like, so I remember being in primary school, maybe year six, what's that? 11, maybe year five, so 10, nine, something like that, age nine, 10, 11, something like that. And I was quite like I had this strong idea that I wanted to be a pilot. Um, a pilot or somebody that makes things. But I didn't know what. Um, did you have anything that you sort of, when you was young, you aspired to be? Or you thought, that I would like to do that. When I'm older, I want to do blah. Uh... I want it to be, I remember I used to run around saying that I was going to be a millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I obviously wanted to be quite a lot of things to achieve that. I think I wanted to be like a salesman, a businessman, um, like never explaining what my business was really. I guess I'd always have ideas, but I can't remember any. Um, And then also wanting to be like an actor or so a musician. At, at what age so, did you like your, at what age did, I mean, it might not have happened yet and it might not have happened for me. Well, actually I would like, I to, know when I started wanting to be an actor. Yeah. Go on then. So <laughs> we used to do this thing called young Americans. Okay. Ollie did that. Did he? He did. Wow. We've got the DVD of it. I bet you do. I'm probably <laughs> in it somewhere. Um, set the scene so young americans is a thing where all these americans or people from around the world you don't actually have to be american but they train in america in a school or something that you paid you pay to be a young american i think essentially 
it's like an art school and you learn routines and then you go to Japan or England or somewhere on tour, you turn up at schools and you teach kids to do these routines and then perform it to their parents. And it's all about like unlocking the kid's potential and believing in yourself and stuff like that. It's quite one tree hilly in a way in their uh, approach to things. And um, I guess it's quite funny actually, because, you know, I say one tree hill and all that stuff doesn't exist, but if you met one of the young American people, they are really like that. They're like a campfire buddy friend. That's just like, Oh yeah, girl pal. Like, and they are kind of like that. And then, one thing that was kind of peculiar is that um, there was a girl who was doing it and there was also my mate as well, Toby. And uh, Toby, you know Tabena? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was like, dude, you can sing. Like, you should you should do a, a, a song. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's, it's fine. It's fine. He's like, dude, you should do it. You should do it. And then he told this this blonde girl, um to do this thing yeah uh to get me to sing so um basically the way that you had to get a part was we'd all be in a room and everyone would be like jamming and people would just stand up and take it in turns to sing yeah and like dude that was just horrendous for me like my legs would be wobbling and everything like and i think some people just like "Mm, it's my vibe i'm gonna sing a song and they love it and there's people who can't sing who are also like that as well yeah and then uh i don't think i'm an amazing singer but i think i can sing and i think especially when i was younger i could sing a lot better than i can now yeah and um so I stood up and sang, but only because Toby and her had taken me in a room before and Prepped like she she'd like been like, just do it, do it, like getting me to sing, yeah. Amping you up. Yeah, exactly. Um and then something really weird happened after that, which was that um this American girl started like kind of like flirting with me and then we ended up like seeing each other, okay? Which was a bit weird because I was like I don't know, 15 maybe. I think she was like 17 or something. I don't know. Okay. But it was a really weird thing because obviously at school, people knew about this, but they were kind of like teachers, but weren't teachers, obviously. Yeah. They were looked up to as like responsible people in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But this was also at a time in my life that was quite difficult because I had a lot of pain in my head and everything from my parents divorcing. Yeah. And, um, and then I did this performance where I was like, I'm singing. This girl has told me to sing. She came from America and she made me sing. Yeah. And then I was just like, dude, that's it. I want to do Young Americans. I want to um, be singing. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do this. This is amazing. So I went to apply for Young Americans and I just kind of like chickened out eventually and didn't do it because I was like, oh, no, I don't think I actually want to go to America. But I did from then onwards want to do drama and I started doing things like the school musicals. Um, See, and that was like something that actually set me off doing what I've, I'm freaking doing. Yeah. I guess Miyako is setting off what, I'm, what I actually did in my career, but setting off what I wanted to do was definitely that. That's nothing to do with me, really. So um, I think this goes back to I think this was a very good example of what our our listener wanted to to know um which was like a tiny moment will shift a person's direction or maybe not shift their direction 
Um, but at least provide a, a pathway for somebody to go down in life. Because I, th- I think um, that's something that I said a few episodes ago as well, which is a lot of people don't have like a clear path of what, what they want to do. Um, but for you, that seemed like the thing that was, it gave you, it, you maybe you didn't have a, have a path before that. It was just like a fog of what to do in the world. But then this... Um, Toby and this girl sort of put you on a path. Yeah. And I think everybody has those kind of those pivotal moments in their life. As you're growing up in your years, age five to 18, there are certain points in everybody's timeline that puts you on a different path or opens up a new pathway for you to go down. And you just have to choose whether you want to go down there or not. And it's those decisions that make people who they are, I think. I think it makes sense. Did you ever have Pokemon cards? I did. I used to collect them quite a lot. I had a... Oh, geez, what did I have? I had a level 100... Ah, uh, the maxed out Bulbasaur. Who's, really? What's the maxed out Bulbasaur called? Uh, is it Bulb something? Golden. It was Golden Card. Maxed out Bulbasaur. And I had a Golden. Is it Machamp? Oh, okay. Yeah. Golden. That was Golden as well. Or Shiny. It was at least Shiny. Um, Venusaur? Yeah, I think so. That's what it goes into. Ivasaur than a Venusaur. Yeah. I used to love it. I think I've still got some somewhere. They're, oh no, I think Ollie spilt milk on them, so they all got stuck together. Might be worth having a look at them, though. Uh, Did you have them? Uh, I did. I don't have them anymore, but they were worth a lot of money in the end. Yeah, I bet they are. But I actually think it's a really good game. I was, I, do you know what? I've um, I've started watching it with Miyako sometimes, which is kind of like I have to navigate like a lot of it because a lot of it's like all of a sudden they're just like, okay, Fighting. let's fight each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's another thing with kids TV is there's a lot of that where they're just all of a sudden like, okay, and let's kill each other. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck. Jesus. Like, okay, let's not watch this. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to ask you because I have fond memories of it. Um, I remember once outside, I used to go to the cathedral church uh, in in Brentwood when I was like growing up every so often. And I remember once outside afterwards, we were all like talking about our Pokemon cards and this older kid like swapped like a crap Pokemon for my like shiny amazing thing. Oh, and I remember I... Uh, like my brother saw this happen, yeah, and then I went and told my mum afterwards, and I was like crying. I was like, because uh, my brother told me it wasn't good yet, and I was like, uh, I don't think this one's very good. Uh, <laughs> and, and then uh, she was like, which kid was it? And then she went and found him. She was like, you give him that Pokemon card back. Uh, yes. <laughs> and then uh, I got the Pokemon card back. i tell you what else, actually. So um, it's Christmas Day one day, and I've been given a remote control car, yeah, 
And in Edward's way, the road near yours with the field, all of the kids on Christmas Day would come out and we'd be like, present time. Do you know what I mean? There'd be kites in the sky. Some kid would be flying with a super soaker. What world are you living in? Like, this is, trust me, Edward's way was where it was at, okay? Right. Even when we watched the World Cup, like all the kids would be running around with like English flags. Like It was a little bit of a, a world of its own. Um, but anyway, so I go outside with my remote control car and I'm quite young in the group and there's this kid called Matt and he's ginger and he's got a super soaker gun, right? Oh, jeez. He looks down at me and one thing they used to always say is, oh, give us a go, give us a go. Give that us was a one go. thing I like, yeah. Not, 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 can I ever go like, oh, give us a go. Give us a go, Carl, give it a go. Give, give us a go. Yeah. A go. <laughs> give us a little bit of a go on that, would you? And it's really weird, isn't it? Like, give us a go. Like, especially with, like, just to clarify people, when they say us, they're talking about a singular person themselves. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, uh, I will not give us a go. So I didn't. <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, uh, I wonder if it's waterproof. And I was like, oh, uh, God. Little kid, like, I don't know, maybe. maybe. And I'm like driving my car around, like, just survive it, just survive it. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so he squirted my uh, squirted my car, didn't he? And, uh, oh, like that. Oh. So then I, uh, Obviously, what did I do? Went to I went mum. into my mum. Perfect. It's like, mum, look, at, me car look at this car. <laughs> You've only gone and bought me a car that's not waterproof. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't have been like that, but I would have been like, oh, yeah, this has happened. Next day, I'm at Toys R Us. She's at the till, and I'm stood there looking up at her, and I've now got a better toy car. <laughs> And she doesn't even like pay for it. Like she just goes back and just rinses them. And like, that was always a common theme in my life is like always learning. Mum saving the day. She would just like set the, set the standard for service, for, um, for returns. Like there are loads of times, man. Like sometimes the product would be priced wrong. Like I was in All Saints once and a coat that was obviously meant to be priced like for 400 quid was priced for 40 quid. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, she uh, the the lady was like oh um let me just have a little look at this and uh they they got all flustered basically and they tried to say that it was wrong and then my mum was like no all of them on the rack are labeled at 40 quid i yep. will be having one i'm tempted to buy all of them she said <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she bought it and not only that but i've been getting two t-shirts as well and during the commotion of them scanning it um they only scanned one of them so my mum went out and she said to me all about like we were laughing about how this had happened that because i only had a hundred pounds for my budget for for my birthday from her mate you was winning I'd managed to stretch this hundred pounds into a coat, two t-shirts, a pair of jeans, and I still had twenty-five quid left over Jesus. to try and find a game or something. Um, but I said to her about the t-shirt, and then we were laughing about that as well. So uh, yeah, she did. She does good. Yeah. Do you I, think you should complain at a restaurant if service isn't good? Oh, um, I guess it's just what it means to you in life. It really depends. Um, how much the bill is at the end? Yeah, if it's like a ridiculous amount, like you should expect like a good service, regardless of what is going on. Because I was gonna say like if it's a if they look overworked, then maybe you should just suck it up and go. But like 
there's a minimum standard at which if that minimum standard isn't reached, I would say something. But like I expect my food to be warm, like hot when I eat it. Mm. If it if I've been waiting an hour and then it doesn't come. I tell you what, here's a story. Um I went to Blackpool with my nan. I was young, maybe 13 years old. And it was in this hotel. And it was just me and her because I think Ollie managed to get, get somewhere that was really cool. And I was complaining, so she took me there to Blackpool. Not the greatest of places to take a young child. Um, anyway, it was good fun. It was really good fun. Um, and we went down to the restaurant and they sat us behind a, like a, almost like a fireplace, but it was like a pillar. And we were sat there for like two hours waiting for a service. <laughs> and then when yeah. we did get service, we ordered our food. And again, it was like another hour of like waiting for our food. And the people that we were sitting with eventually were just like, look, I'm just, like, I'm going. Like if our food comes, just say they've gone. Like take it back to the kitchen. We're going somewhere else. And eventually we got our food, but um, my nan was just like, look, I'm not paying for this. I'm not paying for this food because it was cold when it got to us. And you didn't service us for three hours. We've been sat in this place for four hours. You know, it's like, I don't know. I don't care where you're going to recoup the cost, but I'm, I'm going out. I'm walking out. Um, and I've got also got a story about a remote control car. So right. I was living in Onga. This one's a bit more brutal than your one, but it's a similar story. Um, we lived on like a, a um, wait, can I guess it? Is that ruining it? <laughs> yeah, I think it's That's ruining completely it. ruining it. All right, okay. Yeah. I've got a picture in my head of what this story is. Okay. okay. And I'll, I'll I'll confirm afterwards if it's it. Okay. Just so, from just from the when when you said it's a busy go, 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 go. All right. So <laughs> we lived before we lived in this house, we lived in Onga and it was like a bigger estate like a residential estate than Edwards Way, like a lot bigger than that. Um, and parts of our road were okay, but there was a section of this estate where essentially assholes lived. Like they were, they were, their kids were a shambles. And if they're listening to this, if they ever find this, you are fucking cunts, a lot of you. Um, and I'll fight you now. Anyway, I went, me, I don't know if I was with my brother or not, but maybe I was on my own. There was a school just around the corner and they had like a little car park. Um, and I used to, I, I was in a similar position. I think it was after my birthday or after Christmas and I'd got this crappy little remote control car. And there were these boys over there as well after I'd got there. I was at the car park just zoom, zoom, like doing, you know, skids with the RC car and flying around, blah, blah, blah. And these kids come over, they were probably four or five years older than me, two of them. And I was doing like laps 
of this car park and they stood in a place where it was like where that the car would go as I was driving it around. And this kid just grabbed the car as I was driving around. He picked it up and held it in the air and just threw it on the floor and just smashed it to bits and laughed about it. I was like, why did you do that? Just like, no, it's funny, isn't it? And his mate was laughing. Stayed with you for life. Yeah. Fucking arsehole. Yeah, I mean, like... Like, you know what? If I was in power... If I was in power, if I had, like, the power to be president or prime minister, I would say that, like, that incident... He deserves to die for that. <laughs> he does. Oh, he's a kid, though. No, 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 no. no. There's no, nothing. Well, him and his parents <laughs> should be killed for that. Oh, wow. A whole new level just got found there. <laughs> people like that don't deserve to live in this world. We'll be a lot better off if those people didn't survive. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a perpetuating problem a lot of the time. Parents and kids. Bullies. Yeah. You bully your kids. The kids bully other people. Exactly. Yeah. Poor poor remote control car. Well, that wasn't actually what I thought it was gonna be. I thought that it was gonna get run over by a truck. I think that might have happened on the second one that I got. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, theory me, that's mad. I've I was thinking what yeah. a good podcast it would be if uh, every time we tried to talk about something or you said you had a story, I just said, oh, uh, is it this? <laughs> <laughs> the podcast no one wants. No. Um, yeah. But going back to deliveries, I once had a skateboard delivered by Argos and... Um, so the very next week, I was driving, like, well, I wasn't driving my skateboard, I was skating it, and I left it, like, on the edge of a curb on the square. Mm. And then... Uh, oh, no. <laughs> I think I went into someone's garden or something for, like, two minutes because, like, we were getting a ball or something. And I came back, and this is, like, a week later, completely different, okay? Not 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 the same time that it just been delivered. And I just saw it was broken half. And then um, up the road, I just saw a big Argos fan just driving down down the road. So as in Argos had delivered me a skateboard and a week later just driven over it. Oh. These are traumatic things for kids to go through. They are. And uh, they 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 change you. Like these little interactions, they change you, man. But then I don't know if we're so precious because like what like, there's so many levels to which a life can be traumatic for a child. And As like, you go through life, you, you like at the start of your childhood, you you think that everything is like you're you're in like a bubble, like a bubble wrap. And then as you get yeah. interaction from the outside, you slowly start to realize that you're surviving. Like, it's a world of survival, not as bliss and comfort comfortable as you thought it was as a child 
parents do a good job of protecting their children. But as the child slowly learns about things like bullies and stuff, that bubble starts to look very transparent and slowly just pops. Yeah, people are poking holes in it. So let me just rabbit hole this. So I took around five o'clock i took miyako for a walk we go for a walk at night sometimes and it's like a big treat for her because it's dark and everything yeah so i walk up to normally the high street and we walk down the high street sometimes we get a hot chocolate and sit and look around or whatever or we go to the sainsbury's or we do something yeah so we ended up at sainsbury's but on the way there um there's this wall that she always goes past and i know that she likes walking on the wall so I pick her up and I put her on the wall and I walk her along it and she jumps off at the end. And uh, I was thinking to myself at the time, I was like, you know what? Like that wall feels amazing to her right now. Like I just remembered when I was younger going on walls and I was like, yeah, lockdown's bad. But at the end of the day, like she can find happiness in these small things and you have to keep making sure she's exposed to these things. And I was like, I was like, I'm really glad that I took her on this walk just because that wall is still there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, and then she jumped off it, and she didn't have her wellies on. She had her trainers on, and it was wet outside, so there was, like, puddles forming on the pavement. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you've seen Peppa Pig, but basically they just, like, they encourage jumping in muddy puddles. Like, it's, like, just an activity that people do on a regular basis. Anyway. <laughs> and kids do that anyway, regardless. So she's just, like, running on into these puddles and jumping, yeah? Yeah. And, like, to start with, at the end of the day, and I was just, like, I was in damage limitation mode, and I was thinking, well, if she gets really, really wet shoes and wet trousers, like, she's going to be freezing going through Sainsbury's, and, like, she is difficult sometimes when you shop. And when you're shopping, the last thing you want is a kid that's going, like, trailing uh, mud. I'm yeah. not moving, like, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. you just want your kid to be, like always like focused on achieving your goal of getting into the shop and, and out. out the other side <laughs> yeah and hopefully like you know get them something nice so that they're happy yeah like she, she got a small chocolate lolly today nice okay. um but even on the way there after the wall when she was jumping on the puddles i was thinking ah oh, you know i should tell her not to so i said please miyako don't jump in the puddles because you're gonna get wet feet and she's like, but I like it. I like mm. jumping in the puddles. I don't mind. And I was like, all right. So I was like kind of walking her, holding her hand and like steering her to the edges of the puddles. So at least if she did jump in them, she it wasn't jumping in the center where it would yeah. go all over her. That's the best bit though, jumping in the middle. I know, yeah. yeah. And uh, throughout the whole thing, it was like this dance of the puddles. But then eventually I was just like, just letting her go for it. And I was just like, do you know what? Like, I... I I surrender, like, you have to be able to have fun as a kid. And I was like, just just do it. Just jump in the puddles. So she jumped the whole way there in the puddles. She got back, changed her trousers. And that was it. And the obvious right decision, actually, was just to let her jump in the puddles and not to care, you know? Exactly. So uh, it's funny, though, because as a parent, you always, like, you always tell yourself, like, that you're great and that you make the right calls and stuff like that. But a lot of the time, you can do better. And uh, I think in that moment there, I was just like, oh, you can jump in puddles and I was happy with it. But one thing I did think is in that moment where I was thinking it's fine to jump in puddles, I looked down at her and she was looking out at the world. You know, the street lamps were there. It was dark. It was wet. She's got her coat on. Her big daddy is this giant next to her because I'm quite tall. Yeah. And uh, she's just holding my hand being like dragged through, not dragged through the world, but, you know, like escorted through the world. And she's like, what? Not even 
three Can't foot off the ground. Puddles. But she's three foot off the ground, and no, no, she was happy then because she can. But um, she's three foot off the ground, and I was like, I said to her, like, "Are you happy down there? Like, does it look nice? Like, what does the world look like? Like, are you happy?" She's yeah. like, "Yeah, yeah, it's great." Like, I was like, "What do you think of the world?" She's like, "It's amazing." Oh wow! And um. And I was like, yeah, you know, it is. And then when you said about like that bubble that they have, you're right. Because like, so <laughs> sometimes I, I, it, like I'll take it back from nursery and I'll hear these stories about what these other kids are doing and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and I just think, yeah, you're, you're piercing the bubble. You're making it so that the kid is exposed to another, like, oh, so we can, people can hit each other, you know, or people can yeah. do these things like, yeah. um, I remember once uh, <laughs> we were in the car home from nursery and she said something like, yeah, well, at nursery, there's always a role of um, no hitting and no spitting. And uh, <laughs> I was just I just thought what? to myself, I was like, Jesus, what is going on? <laughs> um, and, then, and then she's like, no, no hitting, no spitting and no shouting in people's faces. And, uh, and she's like, but... Layla likes to shout in people's faces. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, every day we get a different story of, oh, well, this person did this and then this person did oh, this. That's like a whole world. And, and I just say to her, whenever anything happens, you go away and you do your own thing. And like when I look through the window, often I see her just in the corner, like just sort of playing with something or whatever. Like she's quite good at like getting away from it. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, you have no idea. She might be out there every day scrapping away like on purpose, and she's the instigator. I don't think so, but well, it's but just weird that um, that bubble you talk about is definitely a thing. This is the thing, though. Like, um, the thing that I guess scares people to be parents. I know it kind of scares me a little bit to be a parent is everything that you say to that child is, like, affecting them. So when you said, like, uh, when um, when something happens, you know, just keep yourself away from it. And I don't want you to think bad on yourself about what I'm going to say next, but mm -hmm. um, that, if she does that, what you're essentially teaching her is the flight response yeah yeah it's true yeah, yeah yeah which could be saying to be passive and not to not to confront conflict yeah. and stuff like that yeah which is true yeah it's true yeah um that's what scares me about being a parent is how do you know if the things you're telling the child well, is what you like you know the right thing yeah but on the other side to that there's the reward aspect of getting it right and i think it's 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 not just a scale of oh you're you're in a losing position you can never achieve successful parenting mm. like uh, so i'd flip this on its head and i'd say so if you think of like your evening discussions with your dad yeah yeah um from what i see from the outside i think your dad's like a good role figure for both you and and ollie for like a man and a family man and, and what they should be like and how they should be and just just in general mannerisms and life views and stuff like that you are quite all similar to him um in the way you see the world i think and mm. i think a lot of your behaviors are learned through that and that sort of viewpoint the schema of the world the sketchpad that he has of what the world's like i think it's kind of imprinted in ways or at least the way the ability to think like that is is inherited through you guys yeah and then so you 
yeah, every conversation matters, but also these conversations can provoke um obviously you could you could question, oh well, is that trait that he's given you a good thing? And you could probably argue like for anything, you could argue a good or a bad argument for it. Oh yeah, well, it's that's good true. in this situation, that's it's true. bad in this situation. But at the end of the day, it's it's a variant of of that's what it is. It's reproduction, isn't it? It's creating another version of yourself, basically. Yeah, and there will be things trying to teach it how to do things. Like when you see a monkey, yeah, yeah. a mum, a mum teaching a monkey how to hammer a nut out of the center of a, you know, with a stone or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's it, mate. That's it, mate. That's what it's about. That's what life's about. Parenting. That's what Passing it's about. on mannerisms as yeah. far as you can and letting them pick up their own ones to pass on to their children. Yeah. Mm-hmm.